Barna Ministries. This is module 13, The Power of His Presence. And tonight we're dealing with 13.1, The Promise of His Presence. Have a look at the cover that's there. And uh, why do you think I chose that picture to put on there? <laughs> well, you're the only one with your hand up, so I suppose I'll have to. <laughs> okay. Let his people by pillar of fire. He burns up our dross and he turns ashes into beauty. Okay, good. Leslie, what were you going to say? The fire of the Spirit. The fire of the Holy Spirit. Remember, it was one of the symbols of the Holy Spirit, the presence of God. Mm-hmm. Anyone else just want to? Yes. Um, going back with how it led people, um, how it led them to Israel, to the promised land, and how it led them to Israel, to Egypt, it was also they felt something different. Things it was, they felt freedom, they felt peace, they felt strong, and everything like that. Because the power of His presence, with God's presence, you will feel a thousand different emotions, but they will all be for good, for His glory. Okay. Good. Yep. Um, it's explosive, you know, the explosive power of God when God's can be. Just can be. Yes. Anyone else want to share anything? Okay, well, we'll have, have a think of those things. Yes, it's, it's, it's mainly because of, of, of the when the people of, of Israel came out of Egypt and they went into the desert, uh, they were a pillar of fire accompanied them at night and a pillar of, turned a pillar of cloud during the daytime. Why was that a good thing? Why was that helpful? They didn't know where to go, so they were being led by the presence of God. And God talks about it. He spoke to them out of that cloud. He was there in that, in that cloud. Okay, anything else? It was defensive as well, because it protected them from the enemy. It did? When? When they were being pursued by fear and Okay, yes, because they arrived there, and then the, the pillar of fire went behind and between the Egyptians and the Pharaoh and just... Protected them during the mm-hmm. night time mm-hmm. before they could get across, while they were getting across the Red Sea. Yeah. Okay. Would it be helpful to have a pillar of cloud and, and a pillar of fire? What would be that if you're in a desert? How helpful would that be if that, was, that whole thing was covering you? It was, yeah. Warmth at night. And there would be shelter in the daytime. Yeah. So those, those two things were helpful. Okay, let's have a look at our study then tonight. Knowing that God is with us is one of the most encouraging things about being a Christian, yes? yes? Christianity is not a religion. It is primarily a relationship. God has not said to us, try and reach up to my standards of holiness and see how you get on. Rather, he said, I will come down to you and live within you Uh, by my spirit and share an empowering relationship with you. That's Christianity, yes? It is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Colossians 1.27, or as the Living Bible puts that verse, Christ in you, your only hope of glory. (laughs) Which is a very good translation (laughs) of that. There are two aspects of the presence of God that we want to do. Actually, three. I've thought of another one since I wrote this. One, there's the presence of God within us, yes, 
He indwells us by his spirit, yes. And then there is the presence of God among us. So the presence of God in, in, in a gathering um, among us or, uh, yeah, you're, you're aware of the manifest presence of God or, or three, um, the presence of God through us. So God, it's, it's, you know, God wants to work his grace through us uh, to the helping of other people. Yes, and to the extension of his kingdom. So it's God among us, it's God within us, it's God through us, and uh, is what we want to share. Uh, I want to share with you uh, the, the presence of God among us tonight. So I'm going to go to Ezekiel chapter 43, to a scripture that God made very vivid to me um, on the 20th of June last year. And uh, it was one of those times of... The presence of God in my quiet time, I'm reading my Bible, I'm reading there, and I come to this passage and all of a sudden I'm vividly aware of the, the presence of the Spirit of God as I begin to read. And when I, uh, when I sense that, I usually just put my hand over the Bible so I don't see it. I say, Lord, what, what's coming up next? <laughs> Just make it real to me. Get, help me to understand it. And so that was that sort of just sitting in my room, just with the door closed and, and just my time with the Lord. And it says this, and it's, the, and it's the time when God's presence returned to the temple. God had withdrawn from the temple in Jerusalem for a, for a time, and now he returns. And it says this in Ezekiel 43, uh, and it says, Then the man brought me to the gate facing east, and I saw the glory of the God of Israel coming from the east. His voice was like the roar of rushing waters, and the land was radiant with his glory. Um, for me, at this point, I'm sensing that this is prophetic for this area. That there is a time ahead where the presence and the glory of God will return to the... Because you've got to remember, the gospel started here, out east of here. And it just seemed to me in, a, in this moment of in God's presence that he was wanting to come in his strength and his glory back into this area. And, and you know, it was an announcement of his coming and his manifest presence. And it says, and, and it said, I saw the glory of God. The glory of the Lord um, is Jesus. The glory of God is Jesus. It's, it's his presence. It's his power. It's his, his, his anointing. Um, whatever else it is. And the land was radiant with his glory. Wouldn't it be great to see real moves of the Holy Spirit again in this area? When the early missionaries came, the, 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 the um, impact was huge. Thousands became Christians. And, and it, was, it, was, it was remarkable, remarkable, up, right up into the north of, of what happened at that particular time. The vision I saw was like the vision I had seen when he came to destroy the city and like the visions I had seen by the Kibar River, and I fell face down. And the glory of the Lord entered the temple through the gate facing east. Then the Spirit lifted me up and brought me into the inner court, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. Jesus wants to fill the house again. Remember when, it was, when Jesus was on earth, it says, it was noised abroad that Jesus was in the house. And then the next verse says, nobody could get in 
There was such a crowd. There was such an oppressing in. People want to know the Lord. They want his presence. They, they are, religion doesn't cut it. Many people are leaving religion. They don't want religion. But God's presence is a beautiful thing. While the man was standing beside me, I heard someone speaking to me from inside the temple. He said, Son of man, this is the place of my throne and the place for the soles of my feet. This is where I will live among the Israelites forever. And ever since then, I've been praying, Lord, let there be that sense of your presence here. You see, God says, I want to live among you. All right, so it's, it's talking about that. And uh, the house of Israel will never again defile my holy name, neither they nor their kings by their prostitutes and the lifeless idols. In other words, there will be changes. There will be a turn of righteousness, a turn to God in such days. And, and, and so the Lord knows we need that sort of move in our far north area, don't we? So that was, uh, that was just something that was there. And, and, and since then, Sophie and I have gone down to where the... Um, down to the, where the gospel was preached for the first time, to the Marsden thing down there, for the cross. It's a great, it's a great walk for a starter, and it's, it's, it's lovely to do. And um, just where the gospel was preached, and you stand there on the monument and say, this is where on Christmas Day the gospel was preached, and we've gone down and just prayed these scriptures and said, Lord, return to your house. Come again in your manifest presence. And, we're, you know, we're believing for God to, to, to come and move again by his Holy Spirit in, in remarkable ways. Why not? Yeah. Why not? Why not? The, you know, God talks about the All the scriptures talk about the out end, uh, the age outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And uh, so it would be a wonderful thing and needful for us. People would change. And when, when God returned to the house, another part it says they couldn't even stand to minister when God came in, in the fullness. The presence of God was so strong. And that's what God wants to do. He wants to dwell. Church is where God dwells. You're his temple. I'm his temple. We are, we are vessels for the presence of the Lord. God, the, the, the churches are built for God's habitation. If you look there in Exodus 25, it says, Build a sanctuary for me. Why? That I may dwell among them. And you know, even the old tabernacle of Moses, it was built so that God's presence would be among his people. Yeah? And, 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 and so this, this, is what it's, this is a very important thing. When the people of Israel were traveling through the wilderness after coming out of their 400 years of slavery, God led them by a... Pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Exodus 13. Let's just go there. Exodus 13, 21. And it just states that simply uh, in, in the scriptures. And it says here, By day the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, so that they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. So they were, they were always conscious that this every time they got up in the morning, there it was. Mm. And uh, so they were conscious that, that God's presence was among them in that tangible way. Now in Numbers um, chapter 9 and verse 15, it, it explains what happened in those days. 
And it just says this. 9.15. On the day the tabernacle, the tent of the testimony was set up, the cloud covered it. Um, God often manifests in a cloud. You find it all the time that the cloud of God's presence would come down, come into the temple. Even at the cross, you know, a cloud covered the whole sun and everything else. You know, it was God's presence was there at the cross, uh, you know, and, and standing there with Jesus and being with him through those terrible hours until the time that and then Jesus came and said, he the left, the darkness left, and Jesus says, "My God, my God, why have you forsaken me?" And so the God was there in, 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 in His presence at that time till He left uh, there, Jesus on the cross. Here in nine fifteen, so the the, the cloud covered it from evening till morning. The cloud above the tabernacle looked like fire. That is how it continued to be. The cloud covered it, and at night it looked like fire. Whenever the cloud lifted from above the tent, the Israelites set out. Wherever the cloud settled, the Israelites encamped. At the Lord's command, the Israelites set out, and at his command they encamped. As long as the cloud stayed over the tabernacle, they remained in camp. When the cloud remained over the tabernacle a long time, the Israelites obeyed the Lord's order and did not set out. Sometimes the cloud was over the tabernacle only a few days. At the Lord's command, they would encamp, and then at his command, they would set out. Sometimes the cloud stayed only from evening till morning, and when it lifted in the morning, they set out. Whether by day or by night, whenever the cloud lifted, they set out. Whether the cloud stayed over the tabernacle for two days, or a month, or a year, the Israelites would remain in camp and not set out. But when it lifted, they would set out. At the Lord's command, they encamped. At the Lord's command, they set out. They obeyed the Lord's order in accordance with all his command through Moses. So there it was. So, so what would happen, you know, if they were to move on and got up in the morning, the cloud was lifting and they had to pack up, pack their tents up and get on the move because they, they didn't know where to go in the wilderness. They didn't know where the water was or anything like that. And so uh, they, God led them in that tangible way. Um, imagine, you know, some joke says, oh, the cloud's lifting. They said, wait a minute, we've only been here a week. I'm, I'm very happy here. I'm not going. And he, he, you know, I'm not moving today. But they all needed to move. When they came to Rephidim, in the notes here, then there was no water for the people to drink. God told Moses, I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb and strike the rock and water will come out of it for the people to drink. So here they were, they were in the desert, they've run out of water and they're all moaning and complaining. And God says, just go to that rock over there and strike it. And water will come out of it. And he does. And water gushes out of the rock. Mm -hmm. The same thing happened later at Kadesh in the desert of Zin. In that place, while the presence of the Lord was there, water was flowing. But when God moved on, the water, the flow of water ceased and the land reverted to the desert again. Mm -hmm. It is important to know when God is moving and to keep up. God brings challenges to us and asks us to move forward with him. We can easily find our spiritual lives becoming dry and parched if we don't move on when he has. And every so often God comes to us and challenges us about certain things and expects us to move with him. And uh, so we, we, we need to be able to do that. Um, this whole Excite Church was born out of that sort of experience. 
where um, Paul and Ruth were in a church that was just dying and dead because they had rejected the work of the Holy Spirit. And, 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 and God poured out his spirit, but then those churches have all just, over the last 50 years, almost disappeared. And, and the, 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 because they didn't go with God when he started moving by his Holy Spirit. And, but Paul and Ruth said, hey, we can't stay here. We're dying. We're dying. We need to go where God is moving again. And so, you know, there's a principle there um, that we need to observe. Okay, over the page, Exodus 33. The presence of God. Um, God got a bit browned off with them after a while. And in Exodus 33 and verse 3, he says, Said to Moses, you go up to the land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go with you because you are a stiff-necked people and I might destroy, I might get so browned off with you that you'll all be in trouble. That's what he's, I'm not going with you lot. And uh, so, so Moses uh, says, wait a minute, um, we need to talk about that. Verse 12, Moses said to the Lord, you've been telling me, lead these people, but you've not let me know whom you will send with me. I like this. I, there's always arguments between Moses and God. Mm-hmm. Moses was not afraid to say, wait a minute, that's not right. Mm-hmm. And uh, he says here, you've said, I know you by name and you have found favour with me. Well, if you are pleased with me, teach me your way so I may know you and continue to find favour with you. Remember that this nation is your people. And God said, I'm not going with you and your people, Moses. It's not happening. Moses is saying, they're not my people. They are your, I'm not having them, they're your people. I didn't volunteer for this job. So, but he's, and then the Lord, the Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, if your presence doesn't go with us, don't, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth. And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I'm pleased with you and I know you by name. So Moses was saying, hey, if you're not going with us, we're not going. If you're not coming with me, I'm not going. You've just given a list of all the enemies, all the Canaanites, the the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites. He said, I'm not going. He says, if you're staying home, don't ask me to go. He did not want to be in the desert with two million grumbling people without God. He says, I'm not, I'm not going to go. Remember, he says, these are your people. And God says, okay, I will go with you. Much had already happened to show that God's presence was with them. Burning bush, the ten plagues, Egyptian army drowned the Red Sea, miracles of provision, manna and quail for food, victory over Amalek. You received the Ten Commandments, the feasts of Israel and the tabernacle. Now Moses said, I need your presence. He said, you've been with us up till now. However, the future, I need you. I need you to be there. In fact, he says, if your presence doesn't go with us, do not send us up from here. And then there's this great statement. How, how, how will people know? that you are pleased with me and that we're your people, unless you go with us. What else will distinguish me and your people from all other people on the face of the earth? See, it's the presence of God. 
That's a distinguishing factor of a Christian who has opened their hearts and is living with him. It is the presence of people say, why are you different? What is there about you? It's the presence of the Lord in our life. There should be a difference if he is there, shouldn't there? Mm-hmm. Um, so there is, when God is pleased with us, he will often make his presence known. Like when Jesus was baptized in water, remember? And the heavens opened and, and Jesus, the Father couldn't help him. He was so thrilled with what was happening. He said, this is my beloved son. And whom I am well pleased. And there are moments in our lives when we, when we do, we follow the Lord and we walk into some step of obedience that his presence acknowledges that. And there is a huge sense of yes. You have people that have been baptized or when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, there is a sense, huge sense of God's presence. And, uh, and when I was 18, I was filled with God's Holy Spirit. We're, I'm gonna, we're doing a Sunday, Pentecost Sunday coming up, 9th of June. We're, I'm, we're going to teach on, I'm going to teach on in the morning on the baptism in the Holy Spirit, uh, how to be filled with the Holy Spirit, how to be overflowing. And then we're having an evening service that Sunday. Uh, at some time in early evening, and we're going to, we're going to have maybe a worship service, and uh, we're going to be praying for people for the fullness and the moving of the Holy Spirit and the prophetic word, and we're going to wait in God's presence and trust for people to break through. And when I at eighteen, I was, I want I could see it that there was this. I, I, I'd been baptized, I'd baptized in water a few year, three years earlier, and and I no, I need this. I need to be this. This is it. I want this. And so it was an Easter camp, and uh, we, we were there, and God filled me with the Holy Spirit. People laid their hands on me and said, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And out of my innermost being, like Jesus said, there came rivers of living water. I mean, just a torrent of, and a sense of, overwhelming sense of God's yes. The sense of God's yes, the sense of God's presence in my life. And I just began to, Speak in a language I'd never learned, just overflowing. And this was in the morning, Easter Sunday morning, and I was just filled with God's spirit. I tell you how I knew it was God. I missed lunch. <laughs> I was just so lost with God, and so worked for four hours, just drenched in the presence of God. Didn't want to leave. Didn't want to, want to leave from there. Not everyone's experience is like that, but it was for me. And this amazing sense of God's presence, and and, and uh, it was it was a life changing thing. Up till that time, I was a very shy person. I wouldn't do anything. I wouldn't uh, volunteer for much. And uh, I, when I was a smaller kid, I my mother used to play the piano for church, and I'd have to have a seat right next to her because I was scared to leave her. Don't know why. I wouldn't, but when I was filled with, within three months, I was out on the streets of Wellington preaching and singing and with my uh, singing group and, and I was changed. The personality that had been locked up for different reasons, for whatever reason, I don't know, for years was released. And I, and I came into being able to express who God had made me to be, yes, without fear, without timidity. And so the, these encounters with God are, are, are great times, yes? And uh, you will think about times when you've experienced the presence of God, the yes of God. See, there are moments where we know those things. It is God's presence that sets a church apart from any other organization. If his presence is not manifest among the people, then we are no different from a club or a society. 
It's true. You can gather, you can sing your songs, you can have you know, the Bible reading and so on, but if there is no sense of God's presence in the place, no awareness of the presence of God, then we're just a group of people gathering together, good as that might be. It's not what church is. Build a sanctuary for me that I may dwell among them. God wants to inhabit the praises of his people. I've written down here, when a person comes into church, they're not really interested in whether our doctrine is any different from anyone else's. They don't really care. What they are looking for is if God's presence is in the place, whether they realise that or not. See? It is God's presence. Remember the video that we had on Sunday, the Mother's Day? And here are these hippies, these two people that are out on drugs and, and way out in, in left field, uh, and, and, they are there, and they come... They go to church, God meets them, and so she goes and he comes as well. And they come to this little Pentecostal church that is filled with old people and old-fashioned, and it's just weird, you know. Weird was the word here. But they end up saying, yeah, I want to follow Jesus. The presence of God must have been in that place. That's what changes lives. I remember... Talking to a guy, I was in Northern Ireland and I was, I, I was just before service started in Hillsborough, uh, the Hillsborough Elam Church in Northern Ireland. And I was talking to this guy, he was huge. And I found out he was, a, he was one of these wrestlers, one of these TV wrestlers, you know. And he was a big guy. And he'd been in this scene for a number of years. And, and one day he told me, he said, I said, why are you here? He said, well, he said, I was been resting all my life and he said I was sitting in the pub one night and he said I'd finished another beer and he said I was sitting there and I'm feeling like my life isn't really happening anymore my life's not happening anymore and he said I heard inside my head as clear as day. he said uh, he said this voice said to me you are as empty as that beer glass and he said I looked at my beer glass and it was empty, and I was too. He said, that started me on my journey to find out if God was real. And he said, I went to another, several places, several churches went, place place. He said, and that was, that was good, but he said, I never found anything. He said, I walked into this church. He said, I got through the door, and all of a sudden tears began to come and began to flood down my face. He said, I couldn't wait for the preacher to finish preaching so I could give my life to Jesus was in this place. He said, I'm a changed man. It's the presence of God that makes the difference. We had that experience in Blenheim. a young fellow, Brian Babcock. His father was a great artist, a good artist, a New Zealand artist. And he, he was the art teacher at the intermediate school. And he had a similar experience. Something caught his attention. He said, I've got to find out about God. He started to go to all the different the churches. He went through about four of them. And he got and this Sunday morning he went into one church and he got through about half an hour. He says, God's not here, I'm off. And he went to another church and went and stayed for a quarter of an hour. He said, God's not here, I'm off. Walked in to the college hall where we were having our meetings, walked in, sat down. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the service is already two-thirds full, sat down and said, Oh, yeah. 
God is in this place. Got wonderfully saved that morning. Gave his heart to the Lord. Said, God, I've been searching for you. You're in this place. There, you see, that's the manifest presence of God. You can't explain it all, but there is there. That's what we need in our church. That's what we have in our church. Remember old, uh, what was his name? Hini, Hini, what's his name? Honiara. Hands up. Do you remember Honiara? Comes in. He's had a big argument with his wife. No, I'm not coming in. No, I'm not. And she bursts into tears. He said, oh, no. I'll have to go now. And he comes in and he's angry. He's angry. He had questioned every, every pit of my sermon. He, I get to the end and I said, you know, there's people in here who are wanting to give their life to, to, to Christ this morning. And, and, and he's like, like this. He said, I don't know what happened. He's got tears pouring, this big, strapping Maori guy. Tears streaming down his face saying, I found Jesus. That's the presence of God. That's, the, that's what we need. That's what we pray for. That's what we believe for. Not just an empty gathering. Not just singing a few songs. But waiting in that presence and believing God's presence to come among us. Hallelujah. To bring changes. And Ezekiel says, when the Spirit of God came into the temple... He said things changed, people changed. And uh, so that's what we are looking for there. Oh, yes, the anointing. Sometimes you will hear the phrase, that preaching was really anointed. Hands up, those who have heard that, or that song was really. What, what, are they, what do you think they're saying? What does that mean? God was in it. Yes, it refers back to the time uh, in the Old Testament when the. Kings or the priests, when they were set apart, the prophet of God would anoint them with oil. And it was a sign of the presence of the Holy Spirit. Remember we taught about the symbol of the Holy that the oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. So it was a sign that the Spirit of God was resting upon these people as they're being set aside. And, and so that phrase came up in, 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 the, in the early days of my remembrance. Um, and it was an old church term that was attempting to describe a special sense of God's presence. Um, so, you know, if someone says, oh, that singer was really, that singer was really anointed, it doesn't mean that there was oil pouring down their heads. It just means that the presence of God was on them in a, in a way that was different from just singing. Something was happening in the spirit realm, yes? And we want you, it's like that in preaching. You know, sometimes when you're preaching or teaching the word of God, I'll find that somewhere in that message, sometimes there's a, I, all of a sudden I'm aware that this is getting through, <laughs> that this is touching lives, that this is, and, and I've worked out that this is, at that time, those things that I'm saying at that point is really a major part of what God wanted to impart on that, in that message. And you know, as preachers, we can have a whole lot of words, but, <laughs> you know, we there's something that God is really touching people's lives at that moment. His presence is anointing, if you like, or making aware of his presence in that moment. And uh, we, we, I, I need that. Mm. I, it's not a matter of just, I want to see people changed. Mm. I'm not preaching to tickle the ears of people. Mm. Or just so we, oh, that was a nice sermon. That's, that's, it's good to hear that, but, but that's not what we're after. We're after the, the power of the word of God 
and empowered by his presence to bring change in our hearts and in our lives. Um, 2 Corinthians 3 and verse 17 and 18. Let's read it together. Now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. See? So it says that this person, we are in the presence of God. We are beholding him as in a glass, the glory of the Lord, and we are changed. In his presence, change happens. Change happens. Things will happen that can't happen any other way. And that's what we want to talk about. When did you encounter this sort of change? What happened? When have you been aware of the presence of God? And so those things. And it's the Holy Spirit. It's the Spirit of God. The Spirit of Jesus that brings about those changes in our life. Things that we can't do by self-effort, He can do by His grace. Yes? And I'm sure we've all known that at different times. It is in times of worship on our own while reading the Bible or perhaps out walking on the beach just sharing with him that his presence can become very real. Changes can take place because we begin to see things from his perspective. You know, we can... We, we, when you... And that's why a, a daily reading of the Bible, a daily time set aside, it becomes important that you have that time... Uh, a regular time at least, so that you can just sit in the presence of God. I'm fortunate now because I'm, I'm retired. So I'm able now, like never before, to be able to go shut the door, put on my Spotify music with, with my worship songs and uh, just let it playing in the background and then I open my Bible and I read and I pray for people like you and... Um, and for the ones that I know are in need, for my family and for the church and for what God is doing, and, and, and so on, and just talk with the Lord. It's no big deal, but in some of those times, the presence of God comes to me and ministers his grace into my life. Hallelujah. I, you know, it's, it's a great thing. So it might be, Sophie, when she was old, used to go and walk the beach and... Uh, that was an encounter time for her. Perhaps she might share a bit about that later on. Okay. Um, look at Psalm 73, verse 16 and 17. Let's all read this scripture together. It's in your notes there. When I tried to understand this, it was oppressive to me until I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their final destination. He was getting upset about... All the people that hated God and were all doing very, very well. Thank you very much. And he says, what is going on? These people are terrible. And, and, and I'm a follower of you and I'm in big trouble. And, and, and these other people curse and carry on. And I don't get it. He said, until I went into God's presence. And then I understood. And right there... You know those times that we, that we get perplexed, we don't understand what's going on, we've got questions, we, think, we get disappointed, we get angry about why this is 
why I'm asked to walk this way and, and why has this happened and, and so on. And we, and, and we just need to still our hearts and come into God's presence and he will give you a perspective on things. You start to, his ways are different from our ways. And you begin, he begins to minister and begins to explain why this is. Or he just brings a, me a measure of faith that enables you to trust him, even if you don't get any answers. Yeah? That comes from the presence of God. And, and that becomes a, a place of maturity for us. Um, Exodus 33 and verse 11 just says this. Um, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend. Then Moses would return to the camp. So Moses set up it in the presence of God. The cloud would come down and Moses would talk with God. Yes? As man speaks with his friends. Moses would return to the camp, but his young aide, Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. He would stay in the presence of God. He was a young man. He was, he was Moses' Batman, if you like. He was his right-hand man. And he just was there to assist Moses. And he would go with Moses. He was there with Moses when the Ten Commandments were given. He was on the mountain. And so here's a young fellow who walks into the presence of God. And even when Moses said, I'm not leaving just yet. I'm just going to enjoy God's presence for a little while longer. And into that young man came a measure of God's presence that was then God chose him to lead the people into the promised land later on. Jacob was like that as well. God was with him, but he didn't realize it. Genesis 28, let's go over there and let's just have a look as we come there. One of the greatest things you can... No is to have encounters in the presence of God and to give some time to God so that he can talk with you. Yes, there'll be the presence of God in the meetings. There'll be times when we're worshipping God and that's, that's and, and worshipping him because God inhabits the praises of his people. So in those times, we're the times of stillness. Sometimes in the services, there'll be a times of where the singing is strong. Then it'll come down to a time of stillness. And God ministers to people in that in that time. Um, there's times of, of the high praises of God. There's times where you're just there and God is there. And he starts to just encourage you and strengthen you on the inside. And uh, give him those opportunities. Boy, if God is moving anywhere, man, get there. And, uh, and get in the queue. Genesis 28. Most of you know, know the story. Verse 10. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. And when he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. And taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. And he had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord. And he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth. You will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you 
and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Jacob, Jacob awoke from his dream, sleep, and he thought, surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. He was afraid, and he said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the house. This is the gate of heaven. That is the first time the church is mentioned in the Bible. This is the house of God. And he named the place Bethel, which means the house of God. In the Bible, when you read the Old Testament, there is what we call the law of first mention. In other words, the first time something that is mentioned in the Bible, it has special significance. There is something, the first time something is mentioned in the scripture that has special life. It says, the life is in the blood. Now that's a miracle, miracle, it's an understanding, but it was revealed in scripture, the life is in the blood. And, 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 and so here, the, the church is mentioned for the first time. And it, what is it? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Uh, this is the place. God is in this place. The church is built for the indwelling presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. That's the, the whole reason for this. Here, the, 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 the church is the gate of heaven. How are people going to get to heaven unless they find Christ? How are they going to find Christ if, they, if, if there's not the preaching of the word of God? And the opportunity for people to give their life to him. Mm. We are the gate to heaven mm. for, for, for many people, yes? The church, if the church is as dead as a doornail, people can walk in and go out and change. Mm. Yeah. I don't want to be in a church like that. No. I don't want to be in a church like that. That doesn't interest me. Unless God is changing lives, counting me out, I'll go where he is. Mm. You know that's my heart. I want to see the presence of God touching lives. Hallelujah. And when I'm in need, I want to be able to go to a people and say, pray for me, that God will move in my life. Hallelujah. You know, I want to be surrounded by people of faith. People that if I'm sick, I'll say, guys, pray for me. And let the healing power of Jesus come in. Hallelujah. I was at, just at the, um, just a little thing that just happened, but, but at the camp, the family camp. I was just going out, just coming out the door, and uh, one of the ladies said to me, uh, Charlotte says, oh, look, my baby's just been so ill with all this rash, and this has been six weeks, and the doctor, we've had all sorts of stuff, the doctors can't do anything with it, say, so, oh, it'll just go when it goes, and so on and so forth. But she said, I'm just, the poor little thing is just... She said, doesn't it say somewhere call for the elders of the church? And I said, yeah, it's to do with healing. She said, would you pray? You're, you're an elder. I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, you know, but it doesn't mean that I can pray any better, but God does respect office. So we just stopped in the doorway. I just laid my hands on the little one and said, Lord, would you just heal this rash and this expert right now? She said to me on Sunday, look at him. So it just cleared up. Just cleared up. Just like that. And, and see, I want to be in a group of people like that. Don't you? 
where, if, if we hit the bottom, there's someone to help us. Someone who's got faith of encouragement, yeah? Someone we can go say, hey. Now I know it doesn't always just happen just like that, but it does happen. <laughs> it does happen. And, and, and we, can, we can rejoice in that. First, fifth, God promises Jacob blessing and provision on both him and his offspring and assurance that his journey would be successful, that he would find a wife. That's what he was going. He was on travel to find a wife. And that God says, I'll be with you, and you're going to be blessed. You're going to have children. And if you are blessed, then your children will be as well. Verse 15, when you're making your way in life, it is a great thing to know that God is with you. Oh, yeah. I remember when I started, I was 27. And I suddenly found myself being prayed for and set apart as the pastor of this church. <laughs> because I said, if no one else will go, I will go. How is that for a brilliant calling to the ministry? And as it went round the room, no one else would go. So they come round to me. They said, would you go? Yes. They almost fell off their chairs. I said, well, I did pray that if no one else would go, I would go. So, hey, I'll go. So a few months later, I'm, I'm being prayed for. And I'm thinking, whoa, what's happening here? What? This is new territory. I mean, it wasn't any great shakes. There was only two people in the church. So it wasn't, it wasn't like I was having huge responsibilities. But, and they prayed for me, the pastor that prayed, began to prophesy over my life, and the prophecy began, for the Lord your God stands by your side. Now you've got to know that I latched onto that. You know when a prophetic word comes, you can either let it fly over your head, or you can reach up and grab and say, that's mine. When God begins to move by his spirit, you can either put your umbrella up and let it just disappear away from you, or you can walk into the presence of God. When God gives a word, you can either, when, when, when God speaks to you from the Bible, you can say, oh, well, that couldn't possibly be me. Or you can grab it, underline and say, that's for me. And put a date on it and believe God with it. Yes? See, so, we, so, so this was it. And I grabbed hold of this and said, Lord, if you're with me, we can get this done. Yes? Hallelujah. By the time I left there, after about 13 years, we baptised over 500 people in the Wairau River. And that church was filled to capacity. Built a building and a school. It's there today. And it's a thriving church still today. But it was God. Miracles happened. Stuff happened. Like you'd stand in and think, whoo. I remember the presence of God was so strong over about three months that we would never get through the first song before half the congregation was out on the floor under the power of God. That was just the first song. Lives were radically converted and changed and healed and set free just by him. God was in the house, yes. That's what we need to see. We went to Auckland. Auckland for a season, there for over about six months. Uh, we had two services, one in the morning, one at night. The first service never finished. The presence of God was so strong, so many people were getting touched by the presence of God that the people in the first service, there would have been probably about, I don't know, four, 400 of them, four or 500. And, and, but 
when they came for prayer, there were so many were coming for prayer, for ministry, they were up the aisles. It was a thing that went up in the aisle. But they, when you were near them, the Spirit of God just swept them off their feet. And they were out in the Spirit all the time between the services. And when the new people, the next seven or eight hundred were coming, trying to get in, they couldn't get to their seats. They had to walk over the top of all the people. But those people were changed by the power of God. Miracles happen. See, we're not, we're used to just sitting in church and saying, oh, this is nice. Oh, I don't like that. But we need more of God's manifest presence, hallelujah, to change us. Yeah? Do I get a nod? (laughs) From time to time. That always isn't spectacular. But his presence is real. Yes? Yes. His presence is real. So all these different things. How will you know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? Yes? God promises to watch over Jacob and to lead him and to never leave him until he had done everything he had promised. This encounter with the presence of God was life-changing. So it was with Moses when he encountered the presence of God at the burning bush. God says, take off your shoes. You are standing on holy ground. And he received a revelation of who he was and who God is and what he was to do is never the same. The presence of God. When Moses tried to get out of the call of God, saying he was clearly not the man God was looking for, and he ended up saying, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, What was God's answer? I will be with you. When it comes to the New Testament, he says, I will be in you. Yes? Jacob went to bed discouraged, had an encounter with the presence of God and woke up encouraged and enthusiastically pursued his feet for the future. You and I need our personal encounters with God and in our churches, if you're going to pray for your church, pray that God's presence will be there. And, and, a, and a one, that these fellows that come into church, you know, that they won't, they'll, they'll walk into the presence of God. And they will not understand that, or but that there will be a sense of God. Like the old wrestler, he walked into the church. He said, I only got in the door. And he's all of a sudden, he said, I've got tears coming down my face. He said, I knew I'd come home. Wow. Let's keep believing for those sorts of encounters for people that are searching for God.